For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for part two of the defense against the Jets in that great uh, week one win. Joined again by Coach DC. Coach, how you doing? Good, man. Good, man. We're going to get this thing done. You seem to be a little cursed in terms of technical difficulties trying to get this episode completed, but we're going to get right to it, I think, here in terms of what's going on. Uh, one time with your Twitter handle and YouTube channel, please. Yeah, All22 Films is the uh, is the front, I guess, and then for Twitter, and then it's um, all underscore 22 underscore NFL underscore cut, something like that, to be honest with you. I made it when I was a Twitter noob, like I said, in the first version. And then YouTube is um is all 22 films. All right. Outstanding. Well, we will uh, 
continue on with what we're talking about here. We're getting on to the pass rush here. Uh, we talked about the packages a little bit on that first episode. If you haven't listened to it, some great stuff, some great coaching insights from from Coach in particular. Uh, give it a listen. That's on part one. Uh, we'll talk about the pass rush a little bit, get in some individual players in the mailbag at the, at the end here uh, on this second show. Uh, so let's just jump right in on the pass rush here, Coach, if we can. Uh, we expected a lot of difference, I think. I think this was something that people thought, that they would see a lot of differences between Wink and Mike McDonald. I think we probably saw a little bit less in terms of differences than I would have expected. Yeah, you talked about the numbers earlier in terms of the percentages, right? Um, so the percentages probably look similar, but I feel like some of the times that there is a that, well, all, oftentimes there's a, a very clear difference. We're not running like large stunts where you know a five technique or nine technique outside linebacker is is looping to the other side of the formation, and then Patrick Queen or someone else is scraping to that side where that edge player you know came from. It seems to be more. Um, I guess you would say simple, you know, an outside linebacker dropping mm-hmm. from one side and the inside linebacker on the other side blitzing to create that four or in some cases five-man rush. I did see a, a zone drop um, a couple of times, which we saw in the preseason. Uh, it wasn't Pierce in the preseason because we didn't need to see him in the preseason. He was utterly dominant for that one possession he was out there. But uh, him and Calais Campbell zone dropped yesterday. And then um, there was another D-tackle yep. that did. I think we had Twice. three overall. Yeah, I I, uh, I have that for you, but uh, but they had a total of eight simulated pressures. Some of that was was of course inside linebackers and safeties dropping from the line of scrimmage, which is probably the more common thing you see. But the uh, McDonald was not shy about dropping his uh, defensive lineman to coverage. Also, Owe a fair amount in this game was used to drop, so we thought the Ravens you know didn't have a Sam linebacker really coming into the game. But you nailed it on the head when you said that it was. Um, uh, Pierce a couple times. Pierce and Campbell together once. Uh, Campbell again with two others. That was Queen and having a hard time reading my own handwriting here. Sometimes that happens. You- and then Campbell and, and Pierce a second time dropped together. You were writing in a rainstorm. He so so it makes sense. Yeah, that could have been. And and we had uh, t- twice we had uh, Urban drop at the very end of the game. From yeah. the line of scrimmage, so I just think those they were not shy about it. No, those guys are just so versatile. We've we they've had to be versatile before, but just in terms of practice time, if we're not practicing a ton of exchanges, twists, you know, stunts, whatever, where people are crossing face, and we're just kind of being more matchup driven, um, which I suspect, and it's a very small sample size, I suspect that we are. There's multiple schools of thought. You can just run your stunts like a play. Okay, we think we're going to get slide protection, so we're going to run this stunt. There's nothing wrong with that. Or there's times where you just say, okay, I like my matchup of Travis Jones against this right guard, or I like Calais Campbell against their right tackle. And so in third and eight, or you know, third and 12, you match up those guys in that manner. Um, that's not something I thought we did a lot of prior to this year in terms of matching guys up for the pass rush um, you know, advantage one-on-one matchup that we really, really wanted to get. I didn't think we did a lot of that. I thought we did more designed pressures, you know, essentially a defensive play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you, you make a great point there. And that's something that is so important in terms of the really high quality pass rush teams. They don't have to defend too much on scheme. They got a lot of opportunities that are different to win one-on-one matchups and they can isolate a player. The most common, commonly known one is a three tech on a guard. Yep. 
you're, you're, you, you know, you're probably getting a one-on-one matchup on one side with that. So if you, if you, if you match up your three tech, usually it's the guard blocking him one-on-one. That's a great opportunity to win. If that guard is not particularly good. Uh, I, th- I just thought the Ravens had a lot of advantages. It seemed versus what should have been a pretty good offensive line, particularly on the interior. Now, they had problems at tackle. We knew about that. Fant moved to the left side, wasn't very good. And Max Mitchell came in, and he's a rookie and is having problems. But their interior offensive line is supposed to be good. Right. Yeah, expensive, like you you alluded to or talked about specifically in the first you know, first part of this. And we were dominant. When we had multiple guys who could, be, who could win in there. Travis Jones didn't play. Mm-hmm. He would be an excellent three-technique pass rusher. Pierce, in my mm-hmm. opinion, can rush – a gap, you know, or B gap, he's capable. Calais Campbell can rush B gap or C gap. Um, obviously, Matabike showed, I think, improved pass rush skills versus what we saw last year. Uh, you talked about it at length mm-hmm. in the first, you know, part of first portion of this this two part video series. Like Matabike looks like he's going to be c- able to contribute more in the pass game uh, than we got out of him last year. He looks like he's trusted more. Let's put it that way, at least in the pass rush. Yeah, I, I, I feel that way about Betty Bigay. I also kind of feel that way about Pierce, that he was a, you know, a uh, ugly duckling that's actually a swan here in terms of his uh, uh, pass rush ability. Not used very much the last few years in that role. He's a guy you take out on third down and replace with an inside, uh, sorry, an outside linebacker in a lot of wink schemes. Wink love to have three and four outside linebackers on the field. Of course, the Ravens in their current situation don't have that luxury because yeah. they don't have that many outside linebackers who can stand up. Yeah. right now but but they do have uh uh you know some guys on the inside who could certifiably win some one-on-one matchups and get good pocket compression and they sure as hell did in this game yeah pierce was you know i think i compared him to a train earlier he was just like a bull mm-hmm. you know uh bullying guys and in that one preseason game when we got to see one or maybe two possessions of him you could see it and you're like okay he's be- he's dominant out here but it's preseason players the film of him last year with the vikings was incredibly good and i think he had three or four sacks in a small number of games played last year so it's you know he was productive he appears to be a much improved player from the time that we had him before in his career and it's not and he was a good player then but the pass rush was mm-hmm. not something that he had this type of impact on in my opinion yeah, and that, that was true. I mean, it's really all the nose tackles for the Ravens for a long time now haven't been big pass rush contributors. Uh, the last guy to really have an impact on the pass rush, and his was even fairly minimal, was Olodi Nada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is he a really a nose tackle? Because he could play anywhere along the defensive line and be effective. But he certainly was more of an end than a nose. We have so many interchangeable guys, you know, there to 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 run out at you. Those offensive linemen, especially – Yesterday, it you kind of talked about it in the first first part again. Um, fifty seven pass plays, fifty nine, something like that. And our pass- yeah, f- fifty nine plus three, so it's really sixty two. Yeah, so our I thought our pass rush guys still were bringing energy later as the game. They weren't. They didn't appear to get worn down, probably because we were, you know, rotating them strategically. And and it looks like I think we're efficient with what we do now. And that's that's another thing about the. Um, 
you know, the twists and stunts and, and long sticking from the, or looping from a nine technique to the other side, a gap, you're being more efficient with your own movement. You're just practicing the actual D line technique that you work. You've worked on every day since you've been 15 or 16 years old, as opposed to taking 10, 12 minutes a day to practice certain stunts. I think we'll be better in the long run for continued use of actual technique and not relying on uh, creative pressures. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, uh, you know, certainly you want one-on-one -on -one wins. That's what we want. And that's what we saw. We didn't see a lot of twisty stunt stuff. We saw eight, uh, really, uh, sorry, nine stunts and that's spread out over 62 passes. That's just not a very high percentage. Only, only about 15%, 19 off ball blitzes, you know, another element of deception heavily used by Wink. Uh, Wink was in the thirties in some games. Uh, I definitely saw that from Rex Ryan too, in the, in, in the way back years. But uh, uh, 19 off-ball blitzes when you're when you're spreading them out over 62 is just not that many. It's just a good way to rush four, and you don't know the opponent doesn't know which four it's going to be. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't pretend to know. Like you have all the data, I have had zero time today to even watch film, let alone aggregate data at all. But I don't know if those off-ball blitzes align with us having more safeties on the field. But it would be interesting to me to look at. <clears throat> You know, is there any correlation between when we're running some of those off-ball blitzes and who we have on the field at that time? Certainly, safety or, or third corner would be faster, more more burst than running that with, you know, some of the inside linebackers or the SAM that, that we currently are running out there right now. More effective, quicker. I mean, I can – I, I can certainly tell you who the players who ran the blitzes were. There so, you, you know, it's, it's uh, Bynes, Humphrey, Humphrey – uh Harrison Bynes Williams. I'll go through this really quickly here. Uh Clark and Humphrey. So Humphrey had at least three chances at it. Uh Queen, Queen again, Queen again, Queen and Harrison. And then we've got Queen and Harrison, Humphrey again. Uh 22. That's Peppy Williams. Yeah. Uh six is Queen again, and then one more time with Williams. So it was a mix of guys. Uh certainly we didn't see Hamilton rush the passer. That was yeah. something we might have expected to see. He played a lot of snaps. I think I th I wonder, you know, what the concept is because you have you have coaches meetings and they and they sit and talk about blitzes, you know, who do we want blitzing, who do we want covering? It kind of goes back to some of the things that Ray used to talk about. Hey, let's let the Let's let the rush guys rush and the cover guys cover. It's interesting to me. You seem to name Queen four or five times on that. And I wonder if his blitzes kind of align with, again, align with when we had more DBs on the field, letting him attack and kind of protecting him, to be honest with you, putting him in a situation where he yes. can be successful. <laughs> you know, and that's what coaches do. You look at the chess pieces that you have and you try to use them um, in a manner consistent with how they can be used effectively. And that's just good coaching. Yeah, I, I agree. And and this is a case where the Ravens are so short on outside linebackers to start with. And then the outside linebackers they have, none of them are real Sams. So, they, yeah, they they dropped away to coverage about a half dozen times, might have been seven. Uh, but most of the guys, you know, they're, they're not doing that. So they have to replace that coverage with somebody. In right. a normal game, I'd say Queen would blitz more on 19 off-ball blitzes. We'd see more of those be Queen. In, in this game, you know, uh, they 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 needed safeties on the field basically to make up for not having outside linebackers on the field. Yeah, it'll be interesting if and when, well, when we get Bowser back. Because I thought I saw 
a real attempt by the Jets to get the ball out into their right flat, so the left side of our defense. Mm-hmm. That that appeared to be a real concentrated effort. Maybe third possession, like th- I don't have my data in front of me right now. Um, third to seventh possession, you know, somewhere around in there, they were. I would say like five or six swing passes to our left out in the flats, and Queen was pursuing a couple of times. So I, it's not that he played it bad. It just seemed like they made a concerted effort to get it out there. Okay, so just to be clear here now, this is, I, I understand what you're trying to say, I think, but I want to, I want to be sure of this. Uh, when you say to our right side, to, sorry, to the, off, to the defense's left side, it's the offense's right side. Correct. So that's something you, you, you need to be clear about. Before. I usually just talk from the offense's perspective, even on defense, to say this play went to the ORS, that kind of thing. But it went to the, it's usually the strong side also. Yeah. Most teams are right-handed. They put their tight end on that right side, and that gives them an extra player both to block and to be a, a player that has to be covered on that side. So eventually, effectively, they have an additional clear-out option on that side as well. Yeah, you know, I'm a defensive that then guy. Create- go ahead, go ahead, my back end. <laughs> no, but, but I, I just wanted to point, point out that, they, that the, uh, the running back then moving behind a, a tight end on that side has, has – I mean, you're going to have more defensive players on the strong side. Yeah, they win. But it's has created potentially another opportunity. I think two – or three of them that I'm referring to where they were going out into the right flats was, was Barrios in motion, essentially a swing route, mm-hmm. you know, essentially. And then a tailback two or three times on a swing route or, or like an outside release from a, from a, um, you know, some people call it a gun, B gun, King, queen, strong, weak alignment. There, there was a definite attempt. I thought not at the beginning of the game, it might've even been fourth possession. There was a definite attempt to get the ball out into, you know, our left flats or their right, and I'm not sure why that was. I have again. I haven't had the, even had the chance yet to look at the um, all 22 at all today. Uh, it's been very busy to see what were we doing. You know, prior to them making that adjustment, for them to to consciously try to attack that area. It seemed like Oway was dropping into that area some, and you said it was uh, six or seven times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, six six or seven times on the on the entire game he dropped. But I think it was I think it was Queen a lot who was responsible on that side. Uh, and, and and if it's for Queen to be responsible on that side, Bynes really has to be on the. Well, no, that's not true. Queen can be responsible on that field uh, on on multiple for multiple reasons. But uh, he, uh, I remember him chasing to the sideline a couple of times at tailback, and it was in the first half. Yep, to our left. So it was. Yep. It would have been, early, yeah, to the defense's left to the offense's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I, okay. I, I'm always We're I'm on always the same page. I'm always interested in that, like. When you see consistent, to my mind, it was at least five, six, seven times, somewhere around there. Um, I'm always interested in what did they see as coaches on film or what did they see early in the game to cause them to make that adjustment. And unfortunately, like the broadcast angle, you don't always get, you know, the zoomed out view. It's one of my complaints. I did a big video on it. and I really, you know, moaned and, and complained a lot that, uh, you know, I feel like they could show us more in between plays than just like, you know, a zoomed in view of the quarterback or something like that. Like there wouldn't be anything. Yeah, I wrong. hate that too. There wouldn't be anything wrong with them showing the all 22 for a couple of seconds, except it might prevent us from using it. You know, yeah, they, you know, back in the day, and this was back when Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning were a matchup and, and, you know, they'd be on TV together. Not only would you get that quarterback headshot, which I can't stand as an analyst, I freaking can't stand. I'd yeah. say, show me the damn formation yep. so I can record that here. And, and, and on the other side of the ball, then they also focus on Ray Lewis's helmet, which has a black visor over it. So you can't even see what his eyes are yep. doing. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, they go back between, you know, 
Peyton Manning yelling Omaha 500 times and, <laughs> and Ray responding to it or maybe waving occasionally, but there's just, I mean, it's just, it's the worst kind of focus, star focus on that, on that game. It, it to me, um, kind of detracts from the team oriented and team centered approach that football must be. And that's just a, um, yep. sometimes it's a generational, um, <clears throat> Excuse me, generational difference in the way we see the game, uh, and and maybe the broadcast the, the broadcast partners in the NFL they want it to be a player centered league, so they want it to be focused on the stars. And in my opinion, like you know, fundamental defense is more important than having one, you know, absolute star. Even though you know, obviously, guys like Ray Lewis have a huge impact. I would like to see the formation and, like you said, the drop. Uh, you know, maybe someday they'll give us an option. Hey, what would you like to see between plays? And then you can toggle to that view. Seems like we should be moving towards something like that to give people more options. But, uh, you know, the NFL is very draconian. Yeah, they, they have that in Europe already. They have player cam for certain things for European soccer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we could have it here. We could have the whole video truck in our house. Yep. I, I'm not sure if we quite have the bandwidth for that, but if you have, if you can have 550 cable channels, then you can get that. I would think. And, uh, I, I think there'd be demand for it. I, I, I really don't know why the NFL wouldn't want to embrace that well, as a option. I mean, if you can sell market to all these people who have different amounts of money and different tiers of coverage, by all means do it. Ab- absolutely. I've thought the same thing. You know, I've even gone as far to say, like, what would what would be wrong with them letting us choose the view that we want to watch the game in? If someone like yourself wanted mm-hmm. to watch the all twenty two, fine. You know, if they charge whatever a dollar amount they can charge you per year, there would be people who would be willing to pay it. Is it you know, are they getting the uh, reward back? You know, for the amount of time they're spending in creating that content, who knows? But uh, they seem. I feel like the NFL needs different voices in the room. They need more diversity of opinion um, in some of the rooms when they make some of these decisions because the the presentation of the game, absent some of the occasional next-gen stats or whatever, it's really the same presentation that was there 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, it has improved. I mean, they, we, we, it's funny, 1998, the Ravens were actually in the first game with the first and 10 line. And I still have the video of that game and, and them announcing it. And it's absolutely hilarious how forward thinking they thought that was and how like ingrained right. that is right now. Yeah. And you have that yellow line on the field. And it's like, you know, the, the angles that they show us. I mean, they're the same, they're the same angles. Like some people like I did a video to, uh, Sunday night and I showed some diagrams and I kind of apologized for like, Hey, I can't show you a video of DuVernay's touchdown yet. Cause there's no all 22 for me to grab. And I just showed a diagram. Mm-hmm. And then I showed a, a the exact same play from the Chargers game last year. Lamar instead throwing to a different player. And I, I expected to get some like, hey, man, you you did a whole video. And, you know, you showed video from last year, film from last year. And instead, people were like, I love the diagrams. I think there is an, there's people who like sushi. And there's people who like, you know, French fries. And there's people who like hamburgers. And why doesn't the NFL do a better job of offering more of the things that people like to consume with all the different approaches to the game that people have. We all come to the game from different backgrounds. NFL is very uh, one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it isn't for tickets, you know, you pay for all different levels and teams understand, Hey, we can sell suites and we can sell club seats and we can sell 50 yard line seats in the lower deck and they can all be priced differently. And we can even price differently for games embrace the same thing it's a it's a total revenue league the contracts with the players are actually completely set up to embrace that yep 
it's you know as as percentage of total revenue leagues. I think they've got lost revenue in terms of the presentation of the game. I really do. And and you know, were I or someone with my opinion to be in a room, you know, with some of the people who make decisions, they would certainly counter with reasons not to do it, or they would certainly say, "We don't yeah. think that." I think they. I did a video on this. I think they think we're dumb. They do. They think fans. They think fans are dumb. And I think that increasingly fans want to know more and they want to be more ingrained about why the Jets started throwing the ball out into the right flats. And they want analysis instantly of why that's happening. And there's players and former players and former coaches who are willing to do it. The NFL is just stuck in the same model for some of the presentations. Sorry, I digress, Ken. No, that's okay. Let's get back to it though, because I know we're we're uh, we're both running kind of late here tonight, and I need to get this to my producer, get the show to my producer, so it can be it can be put up. I'm going to go through a, a few pass rush uh, totals by player because they're all incredibly impressive, and it is a lot of total pass plays. But remember, the Ravens rotate on the defensive yeah. line, so not all these guys played all the snaps by any stretch. But Matabike had I had him for three full pressures plus a half plus a third, a half a sack. And another sack that was negated by the illegal contact by Stevens. And we talked a little bit about this in the first part, but uh, they really had six sacks in this game. It's just that one of them was negated by the by the Jets' own intentional grounding, and two were negated by Ravens' five-yard penalties. Yeah, that's why it's, you know, like we talked about, excuse me, I had to sit back down. Like we talked about in the first part, it, that's why it's felt like we had way more than three sacks, because we actually did, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, yeah. I wonder about, you know, are we going to be able to recreate that in certain games this year? Yeah, I think we are. I do. I think we are. Some of these teams, and and this is going to sound, uh, I don't know how it's going to sound. It might not sound great at first, but some of these teams that run the the Shanahan system, where you know stretch and then the boot off of it is their base play and the split zone or the Y hide coming back away from the um, <clears throat> the stretch is one of their base plays. Those t- some of those players are not great at pass pro. It's two totally different mm-hmm. paradigms, you know, two to, to, uh, interrelated skill sets, but it's not exactly the same thing. A guy who's great at the stretch stuff isn't always great at pass pro. And some of those, te- I think you've seen that at times. That's why the Rams were so good last year is that their O-line was capable of doing both, you know. It definitely emphasizes certain different traits. I mean, you 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 want more quickness, which tends to give you smaller offensive linemen that are running in zone schemes. And it's more important to be able to reposition yourself, yep. certainly, uh, in those schemes. So I understand why the difference exists uh, and why you'd be worse pass protections, uh, less able to anchor under those cases. So I'm interested in that in the Dolphins game to see what it's like in third and seven and third and eight. Um, Static situations, and what I mean by static is we know it's pass. You know, when mm-hmm. when we know it's pass, what's that offensive line for the Dolphins going to look like? Not that they have a poor offensive line. That's not what I mean at all. But what are they going to look like against our interior rushers who clearly have done a pretty good job so far? All right. All right. I, I want to just spout out some numbers here basically on the defensive line pretty quickly. Then let's move to some player analysis if we can. Uh, Campbell, just one sack and one quarterback hit. No other pressures as I scored it. Pierce, four pressures and a quarterback hit. Terrific game for him. Houston, five pressures, a half a, a, plus a half, plus a third, plus a quarterback hit, plus a sack. So he's involved in nine total pressure events. Uh, Humphrey, one quarterback hit. He, had, he did rush the passer three times. Uh, Marcus Williams, one half a pressure. Five plus a third for Owe, who I think a lot of people thought kind of disappeared in this game. It wasn't his best game. I think they were asking him to do some things that he wasn't really prepared to do in terms of dropping to cover. 
that maybe didn't quite go as well. And I'm particularly remembering one uh, swing pass to the right side by Bryce Hall, who beat him to the edge. And then somehow, Owe caught him from behind with his amazing athleticism. Yeah, and from the that was right to left on the – well, you were you were there watching. But that was right to left on the TV screen mm-hmm. for the rest of your, your listeners. Yeah, it was like Owe can um, Owe can eliminate <laughs> run angles somehow. It's kind of crazy, the level of athleticism mm-hmm. that he has and where we, we were able to get him. Um, yeah, I think – and another thing about Owe, you did a great, very good job of talking about, you know, <clears throat> why – People may perceive there was a less less impact for Owe. And I'm going to bring up a different element. I thought he had the wrong cleats on. <laughs> and I know that. Oh. Yeah. Some slippage, you noticed? I thought that there was like three times where he looked like he was trying to stand mm-hmm. someone up or something. And and he didn't, didn't look like he had great footing. Uh, another person in my Discord messaged me during the game and said it looks like they're trying to change his cleats on the sideline. And that's just one of those things hmm. where I, even me, as a person who tries to watch the games intently now, I have no knowledge of those things because I'm not on the sideline, you know. But when you're in when you're in those situations, you you find out like, oh, gosh, we have the wrong cleats today. What do we do? How do we handle this? Uh, I've seen that happen before. It, it happens all the time. And players tend to favor – the more comfortable cleat that they can move in easier. And sometimes you need a longer cleat, which necessarily hurts the bottom of your foot a little bit more. Yep. And uh, it's just, it's just the way it is. I, I do have a great story about this. I don't know if we really have time for it, but I'm going to be very quick. Dwayne Stark's first game as a starter in 1998, he wore some cleats that were just messing him up play after play on a wet field where uh, he could not cover the, the wide receiver jet for the for the Raiders was opposite him. Oh, okay. Ravens ended up winning the game 13 to 10. Interception in the end zone by Starks on the final Raiders play. Actually the final play of the game. The Ravens got away with having 13 men on the field there, but uh I actually I sent my article on this particular game. It was a kind of a look back at it. I do those every once in a while and and uh you know talked about Starks career at the Ravens a little bit and and, and he said, "Yeah, I had a shoe contract." And I couldn't take those shoes off or I had to show the label. And so I wasn't able to change. There's some convoluted answer that's like, that's the reason he couldn't wow. get the right shoes on. It, but, that's a real uh, thing. It like, could be some funny stuff. It's a real thing like logistics, you know, equipment, people being prepared, having someone dedicated to it. Obviously, the NFL, we mm-hmm. have multiple people. I've been, I've been in a road game four hours away where our starting quarterback forgot his helmet. And, wow. and, and tried to participate in certain like, you know, warm up drills two hours before the game without his helmet on. And it was, and everybody's looking around, like, when is the head coach going to realize it? And he lost his shit, obviously, because the kid forgot his helmet. So you take it from a backup tight end and you give it to him because the kid was six, five. So, so yeah, man, mm-hmm. those things, those things happen. And, and I suspected that and someone else pointed it out, but who knows? Hey, I, I still thought Oway had some impact. Didn't you say he was involved in six pressures or five? Yeah, six six total pressure. That's five and a third uh, of total things. I, I I I like partial pressures. Love you it. Know, a, a full win is usually a one on one win. Love it. Yeah. That's smart, man. I love it. That's a that's that's the type of thing that people keep um you know within your team that you keep defensive stats on to reward a kid for winning his his rep, even though the ball was you know maybe thrown to the other side or it's a draw, and that keeps kids engaged. It requires a lot of work by coaches and you, obviously. I mean, I know that that it does require a lot of work by you, and that keeps kids engaged and it keeps you know fans engaged on your end too. That's awesome, man. 
That that sounds really like a good way to motivate uh, high school like high school kids or uh, whatever you know level you're uh, you're coaching at. I would hope they'd be able to be motivated by other things, but I know people want to see results. They want to be graded. They want to be ranked. Uh, I I worked with military people for a lot of my career, and I wasn't in the military myself, but I, but. Uh, the, the people who sold insurance to people in the military really wanted to be graded and ranked on them, having come out of the military, a system where they were graded and ranked constantly. Wow. So uh, it, it, you just, people want that. They have a natural you know, interest in life and just wanting to understand where do I fit in in this scale of life? As far as, so, as, far as players, as far as players, where that fits and what, what that dynamic is, is this. If a player makes a bad play on the seventh play of the game and no one addresses mm-hmm. it with him, What's to stop him from doing it again? If a player makes nope, a, a, a solid underrated play on the 15th play of the game and a coach comes up and points it out and you know rewards him. We, ours was defensive productivity chart. It was 14 uh, categories set up in an Excel sheet, and we posted it up on Mondays for the kids to see. The kids know you're watching. That's the point. Mm-hmm. They know you're watching, and that has a cumulative effect. Again, they, there's accountability. So anyway, go ahead, man, with your stats. That's a great. I'll just I'll just finish up real quickly. Stephen Means and uh, Brent Urban each had one pressure. We had uh, Queen with one quarterback hit and half a sack. Uh, Queen was bouncing around in the backfield. His, he had some missed tackles in this game, but I don't think they were really costly missed tackles as they have been in the past because sometimes they've been you know five ten yards downfield where they could break into much longer plays. Missed tackles in the backfield less of a issue. He bounced off one sack, didn't get credit for it. Uh, he had a, he had another one where he, he turned a player in the backfield slightly, uh, and that helped. He actually, what he actually did was close one of the yep. front doors out of the backfield yep. and allow someone else to make the tackle. I know the exact play you're talking about, like two yards in the backfield. Yep. 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 That's exactly where it was. And you mentioned Broderick Washington. So Broderick Washington did, had you know three, actually four nice pressure plays. Had a pressure, a quarterback hit, a sack that was negated by a defensive holding. And then he also had that pass defense where everybody on that entire team contributed on the same on the line contributed the same place a four man pass rush three way pressure each three guys got a third and the fourth guy who didn't quite get there knocked the pass down yeah i love that so. i love that system that you're using um denoting and officially um officially detailing you know when a guy wins even though maybe it doesn't impact the play that's what it sounds like to me right uh, yeah, I don't know if it's quite as sophisticated as you're giving me credit for it, but I appreciate the thought, man. Yeah, I like it. Broderick Washington can ball. Let's just, just like we talked about with Isaiah Mack yeah. in that Bengals game last year on the road, Broderick Washington played well in that game too. I think he had a sack maybe mm-hmm. too, or maybe he was involved in a second one. So we've got so much talent there. It's it's really almost it's borderline unfair, and I think they're going to save us some when we do have issues in other places. I think those guys are going to kind of – you know, set the tone and put the pressure on the offense. Once we get the edge rush situation figured out, we're in a great spot. I was going to say they're already saving us because don't have the outside linebackers to play packages like they played in the past. And these defensive linemen have stepped up on important passing downs and been able to get pressure. Yep. Right away. They're, they're, they're taking, you can say they're taking outside linebacker snaps away by the Martindale system. Yeah. I just love that we're letting guys use their technique repeatedly you know how does how does Floyd Mayweather get to be so perfect at throwing a counter right hand because he threw the counter right hand eight billion times in his life or eight million and the D tackles getting them more reps at the pass rush stuff in my opinion that helps out on first and ten when the team passes 
when you would generally anticipate run. Getting them more reps in those situations, I think, is a good thing. All righty, let's go ahead and talk some players, and we'll go by position group here. And I, how I like to do this, Coach, if you're good, is you bring up a player, say some couple things you like about him, what you thought about his game, and then I'll respond to that, and I'll bring up the next player. Sounds good, man. Let's start at the defensive line. Who do you, who do you want to talk about their game in this one? Well, I mean, it's easy to talk about Michael Pierce, so I'm going to pick Justin Matabike. I love I love how he reads blocks. There was a saying from Brandon Williams three or four years ago when someone came into the league who was a rookie, and Brandon Williams' quote to them was, hey, man, at this level, we read blocks. We're not just mm-hmm. penetrating blindly. We read blocks, and we react to them. And Matabike has shown the strength, explosiveness, and the core to do that in a run game and still be able to make the tackle. I talked about it in the first part of this video, whereby, yeah, sometimes a guy stays in his gap on zone or stretch away, but he doesn't have the core strength to be able to actually impact the running back and make the tackle as he's staying in his gap four or five yards away because, you know, that gap moves. Matabike, to me, that was a marker there that he could win in the pass game because he had the, he retained athleticism through contact, and everybody doesn't do that. You know, and he retains a high level of athleticism through contact. It's almost like, um, you know, he's not bothered by the contact with the overlineman at all. In fact, he's disrupting the offensive lineman's, you know, pass pro sets immediately. If you ask me, yeah. by being so violent, love his game. And this this is why offensive line. Get what you're saying exactly. And this is why offensive linemen also need kind of a plan for how they punch the same way a defensive lineman needs a plan on how to rush the passer. Yes. Move, counter move. You know, if you're an offensive lineman, you need to be able to use your hands independently. Don't use the flippers at the same time on the pinball machine every time, or that makes you just a bad pinball player. It's the first thing I look for, by the way. You know, I'm old enough that I've seen people play pinball, but a, a bad pinball player is always using two flippers at a time. Yeah. I just, I'm glad. And I'm glad for Matt Abike because it, you know, hopefully it just kind of loosens him up to play free. Cause I'm, I can only imagine if you're someone who is as good at stopping the run as he was last year. And he was excellent in some games, the Minnesota game, the Packers game, the Steelers game, he had four or five plays in each of those games where he was dominant against the run, but there's, there had to be this type of pressure on him to produce in the past game. And he did, in my opinion, in this game, uh, let me know if you agree or disagree, but to me, that hopefully, oh yeah, hopefully that loosens Big him game. up a little bit, and he doesn't feel as much internal or external pressure to produce. Like I'm just going to go ahead and attack. I'm going to go ahead and attack and do what I'm, I've been coached to do, man. I hope it's a jump off point for him to have in six or seven or eight sacks this year. Maybe that's too high of a number, but you get my point. Yeah, I, and I it might not be unreasonable because those guys are going to be in there for more of those uh, higher sack probability. Uh, downs yep. than they played in the past. So I think, I think, you know, sack numbers. Yeah. You can always, you can always think you're guessing too high when you guess two and a half sacks for a Ravens interior defensive lineman. But I think this year we're going to have some three and a half to five and a half guys, yep. because I think they're going to get opportunities to, uh, to rush the passer that are going to be good. And there's only, you've only got so many sacks in a whole season. You're going to be able to, to uh, uh, spread around to your team. But this, this looks to me like a team that could get 50 sacks. Yeah. Like I would even compare it to like Justin Houston last year. I think he had five sacks overall uh, throughout the season, but it very easily could have been eight or nine. He had three situations mm-hmm. where he defeats the left tackle immediately and gets held. Two of them were called, and one of them did not get called. And then he also had a missed sack against Baker Mayfield uh, 
Browns backed up on like their 20. Mayfield scrambles out and throws that out of bounds. He could have very easily had eight or nine sacks. So sometimes that number sacks is a little bit too simplistic, if you ask me, in judging someone's actual right. impact on the pass game. And that's what your stats sound like they do, if you ask me. Well, I think I appreciate that. I think we've we've seen that generally in terms of pressures and quarterback hits being recorded broadly now in terms of where they are. The quarterback hits certainly are are a, a good new number. The pressures, people have different definitions, and that's cool. Just you use your own definition for for what constitutes a pressure, and and uh, and tell us what you're doing with that. So, uh, uh, good stuff. Uh, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll move on to another player here. So, uh, let's see. Well, don't need to talk about Pierce, I guess. Let's move on to, hmm. you know, I've been really liking what I've been seeing from Brent Urban, period. Yes. Okay. They really played him sparingly during the preseason. But what I saw from him in the preseason was outstanding. Uh, he did get one pressure in this game, totally unheralded. And he played the f- the fewest snaps of any defensive lineman with 23. So it tells you every play he played between 23 and 45 snaps on that defensive line. Great rotation. Great yep. spread need that in a game this long, but it's, is really good to see. And I, I, I like what I've seen from him in the preseason. And I think we've, we've hit in these, in both the combination of the first part and what we're talking about now on a lot of the other guys, whether it's Broderick Washington yeah. and his contributions or, uh, or uh, um, Campbell or Pierce, all those guys. When you, when you said that um, the snaps were, uh, ended up being between 23 and 45 or something like that for all the interior D line. Mm-hmm. That sounds intentional to me. Uh, in my experience, if the numbers are, <clears throat> excuse me, if the numbers are, you know, that tightly aligned to each other, I know that there's a, you know, 22 differential between, you know, 23 and 45, but that sounds intentional to me, whereby there's an actual planned rotation by possessions. And then, you know, third and eight, then we probably sub in whoever's winning the matchup or whoever we think. But that sounds very intentional. And I think the Ravens have needed that. Uh, Not saying that they didn't do it in the past, but with the amount of depth that we have, we can stay fresh. And Brent Urban being our, what would you say that he is at this point? Is he our sixth best interior D diamond? Uh, he might be. I mean, now with Washington playing well, I would have said Washington was probably number six coming into this game. Urban, I have a lot of respect for. Me I mean, too. He's a he's a high volume snap guy. Uh, this this game, I mean, they he played ten snaps on the last drive, and Campbell sat. So right there, that's telling you some of what you're saying is is right on the money that they're planning to replace him by drive and bring yeah. him in like that. He's been an outstanding run defender. Where we're going to really see Brent Urban help is when there's a lot of base defense being played in a game against a team like the Browns, yeah. and he can really hold up down after down as a run defender. That preseason um, possession that Pierce played, I think Urban played mm-hmm. a, a possession. I think he played two possessions in that game. I know that on the mm-hmm. first play of the Titans preseason game where Kyle Hamilton recovers the fumble, Brent Urban is the guy who gets the penetration that makes yep. the running back have to cut it back. You know, he didn't make the tackle, but he's really good at, I'm in this three or this five, and let me go ahead and stem inside. He is really good at it. I really – I think he's an asset that could have a game like a, you know, four tackles, two tackles for loss, one and a half sack. He could give us that once or twice this year because he's capable. Mm -hmm. And that's why I brought up about like, we're in such a great position that he's our sixth best or, you know, maybe even fifth best, but we're, we're omitting Travis Jones in that discussion. So it's incredible. The amount of depth we have there. Love it. We're very blessed. Yeah, that's it's. We talked about that particular play from Urban, which would have gotten a negative grade from PFF for the missed tackle 
for example, we talked about, you know, that couldn't be more wrong. And I'm not bashing PFF system. Please don't, don't take that that way. But I'm saying the evaluation, the actual value of that play was very high. He yes. got into the backfield. He turned the back 90 degrees. That caused him to be going the other direction where Harrison caught it from behind, knocked the ball loose. And then because that traffic had taken so long to resolve itself, the Ravens had three guys running towards the exactly. football all exactly. to recover it. Like, like gravity kind of – gravity for us and anti-gravity for the Titans. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> to, absolutely, totally, totally agree. And uh, that's where some of those absent – you know, talking like you are doing and other content creators do, uh, I think you miss some depth and you miss some context by, uh, you know, what you're describing, being, that being a negative play. Because in my mind, it's a positive play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I'm, I was trying to have, find a guy who was really the expert on talking about relative valuation of missed tackles. I did get put in touch with one guy who was a college coach in, in what used to be Division Three. And, and he had done a lot of charting on his own team and had created five levels of missed tackle. That's great. That it sounded like a great conversation waiting to happen, but we were never able to work it out. And I, I got to get back on him about, about a, uh, a show one of these days. Yeah. It's like, you know, the missed tackles in space, typically by second mm-hmm. level defenders are going to be the ones that hurt you the most, because it's, you know, if you think about defenses as three levels, obviously, if you miss a tackle at the mm-hmm. first level, just simplistically, you have the second level to possibly clean it up. You miss any tackle at the second level in space, and it's going to lead to, you know, probably a three or four times multiplier effect in terms of yards gained. If it was going to be a four yard mm-hmm. gain and you miss a tackle, you're probably looking at a 12 to six, 15 yard gain, something like that. We found that it was generally, you know, the inside linebackers that um, missed more tackles because they had more opportunities to miss tackles. So I sometimes think, I think we're in agreement on, on what you said earlier, but I sometimes think that the guys who miss more tackles are often your guys that are around the ball more anyway. There's more opportunities for them to miss tackles. You know, so, so in terms, it's, it's- go ahead, Ken. I was just going to say by by percentages it goes it goes up by level. So the defensive linemen miss a very low percentage of tackles as a exactly. group, and so a system like PFF is going to sit normalize to a low percentage of missed tackles and say one missed tackle is more bad for that group. Exactly, which is a starting point. At, at inside linebacker, um, there's actually quite a bit of variation in terms of of missed tackle rates. Yep. But a player like Patrick Queen gets a gets a big downgrade there, and 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 probably honestly a deserved one for missing tackles where he does. And then in level three, actually tackle rates for safeties are, um, you know, they would make, they would be very bad for linebackers. Yep. So there are missed tackles in the secondary. You got big on small sometimes and it's understandable. Exactly. And I think all missed tackle, you know, the, the person you were describing that you were unable to hook up with for a podcast, it sounds like they had a really cool system, five types of, of, um, you know, missed tackles. There's, there's, People out there, Division Three level, Division One, whatever, that come up with these amazing ways to evaluate, yep. teach, describe. You know, I'm not one of them, but in that case, this person, I can recognize that that's genius. There's people who teach pursuit to D linemen in a very intricate way that is effective in the game. Um, I personally think, and we kind of talked about it, you know, earlier tonight, um, I think we're being coached at a very high level. I don't know if any of those really intricate quote, new ways of coaching and designing things are being used. But what is being used, I think, is very effective on defense. You know, perf- uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously, 
the the big upgrade from Rob Ryan to Orr is one that you know I watched personally that relationship not really work out with Patrick Queen last year. I, I just I, I haven't watched it with Orr and and Queen, but I have to believe he's so much more relatable than Rob Ryan. You see, Rob, I mean, Rob Ryan and and Patrick Queen, they look nothing alike, but they also really communicate nothing alike, like 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 an Orr and a uh, and, and a Patrick Queen might. I mean, they're much closer to the same age. They have the same, you know, uh, pop culture references they would probably understand most of. All right. They're still going to be, you're still going to get to that point where the person your age has seen all the Star Wars movies and the person who's 25 years younger might not have seen any of them. Yes. Yeah, so much but, of, but, you know, go ahead. My bad, Ken. Sorry, man. No, you, you, you go ahead. I was really done with that point. So, so much of coaching your position. I don't care what level it is. Like I can speak to this is just understanding that it's a long season and that person first player second, that individual you're talking to or chiding or correcting is going to be put in the same situation. You're, you're talking to them about right now. They're going to be in that same situation, you know, next week or three weeks. And what can you do as a coach? What can you say as a coach to build them up and not destroy them from what they you know, the mistake that they just made. And so like in terms of our inside linebackers, I feel like Zach Orr would very easily be able to say, hey man, my second year, there was a stretch play to the left and I fit it the exact same way you did. And here's how such and such helped me fix it. And I think Patrick Queen would quickly be drawn to that. You know, I'm, I'm imagining him at some point looking up Zach Orr highlights, I'm sure he already has, and being like, whoa, you know, this is the guy that's coaching me. Uh, as opposed to, you know, like Rex Ryan, uh, or excuse me, Rob Ryan, um, just never worked. Either of them. They don't, they either of them, neither of them has a playing background. So no, I think, I think Rex played like high school and like a division three school or something before he went to Cincinnati as and coach there. But, um, I, I love, you know, what we have coaching wise, it's particularly D line, which is what we're talking about. The, um, outside linebacker coach, I think was the outside linebacker for the dolphins last year. Is that right? Uh, I would have to look. Honestly, I do not know. I think I think he was the OLB coach for the Dolphins last year. I don't know his name, to be honest. Okay, with take take your um, word for it. But I'm just, I, I think, and we said it during preseason. A lot of us that the coaching looks better, the execution looks better. Yeah, missed tackles stand out. You know, we've had multiple, and it's two of our higher profile guys that do it, Queen and Hamilton, right? So, you know, we want them to make the tackles. They certainly do. There's times where there's just too much space for an athlete to take advantage of, and they've got a two-way go. It's, you know, sometimes you got to tip your cap to the offense to for creating the space, executing it, and the guy for making you miss. It is, it is a common problem is that we want to blame our own players, our own scheme, our own system for everything, as if we have – complete free will and complete you know domination over the over the outcomes of this sometimes the other team's just better they're, yeah. they're, it might be their plan you know worked out better against their plan but it might be just their players are better look at look at Duvernay's first touchdown the Jets made mm-hmm. the I, I, if I, if memory serves the Jets made the tactical decision to put Gardner on Andrews I think mm-hmm. two or three plays earlier we had gone to Andrews against Gardner on a second down unsuccessfully it might have even been the play before i could be wrong and you know lamar makes the correct decision like hey i've got duvernay on hall and i don't mean to be disrespectful to hall but um in one of my preview videos i did last week 
I, I flat out said, if this guy gets on the field, we're going to attack him. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, I told you so. My point is Lamar Lamar made the adjustment. They took away our best player, Gardner versus Andrews. Fine. He's doing a nice job on him. Cool, whatever. But Lamar made the decision, I'm going to go over here because I like the matchup. The offense did a nice job of picking the matchup. Lamar threw a great ball. The receiver made a great catch against what was pretty good coverage, I thought. So, yeah, yeah sometimes the I think it was about as good, well as you can cover that play, honestly. Yeah, it's as well as I've seen him cover any vertical where he's got to turn open his hips um, in or out. I'm talking about Hall. Uh, he gave up two touchdowns in the preseason, got beat quite badly, to be honest with you. So, yeah, he played it well. Offense just executed. And and that'll happen to us at some point this year, right? I mean, we just got to accept it and not blame our players or our coaches in every situation. Now, when we see, you know, the same pattern emerge three, four, five, six times, yeah, it's time to start blaming people. Absolutely. Let's move on to the linebackers here and maybe pick a linebacker you want to talk about, and I'll pick one too, and then we'll move on because we're, uh, we're running kind of late here. Yeah, I wish I could pick Bynes and talk about him because – you know, A, he's one of my favorite players. I love the uh, passion and energy that he brings. You could see it. Mm-hmm. You can't really you can't really see energy, but you could see it last year. I thought it was obvious in the Chargers game. Unfortunately, you know, our season went downhill. I'd love to talk about Bynes. I think he played 22, 24 snaps. 32. 32. Uh, didn't really see much mm-hmm. impact from him. Other Twice on 11 personnel run plays, the tackle – releases up to him and is like in his face. So it's kind of like there's no way for him to adequately get get to that B gap. You know, we're letting him free release. I I didn't see much out of him in terms of um, impact and performance for real. Yeah, that's where I was too on, on binds in this game. Unfortunately, it definitely did not have the tackle impact. Uh, The Jets threw the ball an awful lot, but they still ran the ball 17 times. There were opportunities, of course, uh, with running backs and whatnot, although a lot of that ended up being queen in, in coverage that they were targeting. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it could you could draw something positive, even though I missed a couple tackles that 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 um, uh, they weren't really trying to target him as much as other players on the field. Yeah. I get. I mean, it's one of those situations with with Bynes or, or whoever where you're like, okay, well, there's not much statistical impact, but that doesn't mean that they had a bad game. You know, uh, because mm-hmm. they may have, like, for example, the first run play of the game, he fits in the exact gap that he should fit in. It looked like Queen and him were doing, uh, we would, <laughs> we have multiple terminologies for this, but like sometimes in the 3 4 structure, you want the front side inside linebacker to wrong arm the blocker and the back side inside linebacker essentially think of like the letter X kind of, uh, run around so they're basically exchanging gaps that's what happened on the first play binds fit it perfectly guy bounces it outside marcus williams you know doesn't force it inside no statistical impact mm-hmm. but a guy who played in his correct gap but I, I didn't think binds even looked i didn't think he looked like he was around the ball a whole lot and that's coming from somebody who's you know i'm a huge fan of josh Bynes. right and, and I, I am too and unfortunately the first surprise we get from Josh Bynes is going to be a bad one. The guy plays way above his yep. play speed, right? I'm sorry, his play speed is much faster than his actual speed. That's yeah. what I mean by that. I, uh, I, I, the, the first surprise we're going to get is, is we're going to suddenly find out Josh Bynes has gotten old, and we should expect it. We should, you know, has to be upset when it happens. Has to at some point. You know, has to. He's a guy who uh, I, I did in one of the videos I talked about over the summer. I said, you know. We have a guy on our team who made 99 tackles in an NFL season. How many people in the history of the NFL have 
have made a hundred tackles in the NFL. I don't know what that number is, but it's it's mm-hmm. you know it's probably not a very big number, even though the NFL's had a ton of seasons and there's now thirty two game thirty two teams. But you know he made ninety nine tackles for the Bengals in two thousand twenty when he started over uh, fifty five. I can't remember the linebacker's name for them. So I wish I could say more you know, that I saw more out of him. I just didn't. I didn't see him at the point of attack a lot. I didn't see him involved in stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a credit to our D line because they were so involved, so disruptive. I think we've talked a little bit about Patrick Queen, so I'm going to pick a different one to talk about. Um, I think we talked a little bit on the first part about how Harrison, it didn't really work with him at outside linebacker. I think the other guy I want to talk about is is Ross. And Josh Ross is a guy who could have been a guy to come on in some third down situations and be a, a coverage linebacker. The Ravens seem to have made the choice to give that job to Queen, perhaps until he fails at it. Uh, and I, I don't mean that badly. We all want Queen to do well. We really do. But uh, but I think they've they've decided that you know Harbaugh used the language today of he's earned the right to play every snap with his play in preseason. Actually, with his play in camp, they said because he didn't play at all in preseason. Um, but Josh Ross, of course, who did play very well in preseason, and we think that somehow projects um, may still get his chance at some point this year if they decide Queen is not living up to his past responsibilities. Yeah, Ross made the first tackle on uh, the first kickoff of the game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I didn't see him. But like when you watch him in a preseason, makes quick, abrupt reads. You know, appears to understand like the play concept. It kind of reminds me of the guys who really study film because uh, two of the situations yeah. in preseason, one against Arizona, I forget what the other one was. He's like he sees the backfield. There's one read. He's gone. Total commitment to the read. If you were to watch it, and you and we used to do this, we would say this to our linebackers. <clears throat> excuse me. We would take up take half the screen with like a poster board because we would watch it on a big screen. We would take a, a dark poster board and we would cover up the offense. And we would say, mm-hmm. you're going to watch these eight run fits of you and you're not going to be able to see the offense. So the kid, the next morning, Saturday or whatever, is watching the run fits. And what we would say to him is, we want your run fits to look like you're blitzing. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but we want mm-hmm. the decisiveness. We want the definitive angle. We want the absolute commitment to, I'm going here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my shoulder pad in someone's chin on the correct leverage side. And that's what some of Ross's run fits look like. Absolute commitment to his read. Yeah, I, I love that description. That's, that's uh, you know, it's something that the, the, the wrong decision made with 100% commitment often still has a chance to create something good to happen. Somebody else may, be, may try and react to it for yep. starters. You know, that, that somebody may abandon what they're supposed to do offensively because they you see you screaming through even yep. the improper gap. Yep. You get the wrong read. There's techniques to help a guy correct on, you know, play action pass. Like you think it's run, you step forward at an angle, always pass. There's techniques to do. But Ross just struck me with the commitment to his read absolute trust and and decision i'm going here and i'm going to blow something up that shows up here and he got he made i would like to see him get an opportunity in regular season to me he's more of a replacement for Bynes and less of a replacement for queen just because of the lack of foot speed that ross has even though you know he does a nice job on kickoff um i think you see some real disadvantages in pass coverage in man in zone uh ross reminds me of Bynes and that he's intelligent He's on the correct leverage yeah. side. He's in the right place. But in, I don't think we can play man when he's on the field. 
Well, you know, they will find that guy is the good rule to follow if you're a defensive coordinator. If you have that one guy out there, I, I saw a lot of ability to understand what's going on between level two and level three without having to look backward to see it. And since we haven't seen that out of too many Ravens inside linebackers in recent years, I was excited by that. So I, I'm, I'm, Abs- I'm still hopeful. Absolutely. Oh, that, no, no, that absolutely. That I think yeah. that's why I say, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge Josh Bynes fan. And I, did, I just said I think he's the guy to step into that role, someone that can get us in the right spot, someone that will fit you know, the run game correctly, someone that will help the uh, the other guys get lined up because it, it can't always be Chuck when he if he's at the third level. It can't always be him. There's got to be um, the other guy who's thinking at a high level, let's put it that way, at inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. There's got to be someone who's doing it on every team and communicating things and just echoing the call. That was Bynes last year, you know, when he came back. And, uh, you know, it'd be great if Ross moved into that role. I'm glad they got him on the field, you know, for kickoff. Be, be great to see him get some reps and inside linebacker. Just don't know when it's going to come. Yeah, this would have been a good game to do it. Frankly, up twenty-four to three, they had options exactly. to, to bring in a player like Ross and just say, "Hey, let's let's." See. I mean, first of all, it's a lot of snaps. Take a series off, Queen. You deserve it. Yeah. Or or or, or bind. Sit him for a while. And you know, it wouldn't have been a problem. I don't think. No, that's but what anyway. I mean. Abs- after this game, I don't know where that opportunity comes totally agree when you get that opportunity to get that guy some snaps you do so because you know we may not be in that opportunity who knows what mac jones um you know health is or how long he might be you know suffering from that injury or possibly be out again i know we get them in week three but we got the dolphins patriots which we know are going to be well coached and then the bills and correct me if i'm wrong the patriots game is on the road right uh week three on the road yep yeah, so may not be another opportunity to get him in there, uh, you know, absent some type of injury, obviously. All right, let's move on. Uh, pick me a defensive back. I think we've talked about the outside linebackers enough, so pick me a defensive back you want to talk about from his game. Here. Yeah, I don't even know uh, Chuck's stats. I did, in my mm-hmm. reaction video, I did have the stats showing on the screen, um, but I didn't even really look at them. You know, I know Marcus Williams obviously had 12 tackles. I thought Clark was active. Did have that forced fumble right where he punched the ball out, but even even besides that, which is a statistical, you know, contribution, I thought he was on the correct leverage side on most of the pass plays. He looks a little slimmer to me. He doesn't look as bulky. I don't know what his weight is. If he's lost a little bit of weight, I have no idea. But uh, he looked he looked like Chuck Clark, except he didn't look like he was playing in the box as much to me. Nowhere near as much as 2019, obviously, but he didn't look like he was near mm-hmm. the second level as much as even last year. Is that what you saw or what? Yeah, they, they did have Hamilton in the box some, that's for sure. They also had Hamilton on the back end some, and Queen was Queen was in the box on some of those dime snaps. There's a lot of dime snaps to go around. So when they when they had uh, – and, and there were some big nickel snaps to go around, but when it was big nickel, it was usually Hamilton on a tight end. Yeah. And – you know, in, in you know, across from a flex tight end, and and with the uh, dime snaps, it was mostly, I would say, it was mostly uh, Clark in the box, but some Hamilton as well. So he would have lost relative to 2019 for sure when he had an unbelievably great dime back. Yeah, I th- he was mostly guarding the back then, right? 
Yeah, I, I would say you know yeah. more more than not, he was a he was a strong safety and or a split safety. Yeah, guarding the running back in the in the box, right? Uh, that's one thing that I think. Oh, is I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't understand what the way you had said that. I thought you meant like on the back end as a split kind of. No, thing. when when we were in that like dime or whatever or whatever you want to call it, and he's replacing an inside linebacker in the box, we it was pretty much man free is what it was, and he was guarding the running back, uh, ha- picking up Hamilton and having him taking tight ends, I think assigns a, a more athletic, better coverage guy to guard the tight end than Clark. Like I think of the Detroit game last year, two uh two plays mm-hmm. where Hawkinson, is that it eighty eight Hawkinson the tight end yeah. for them? Hawkinstein. Right? Yeah, Hawkinstein, where he like runs like I call it a China out, people call it a whip, and he can't really kind of lose his Chuck Clark on it. Um I I think it's a better decision to play Hamilton on those tight ends and let Clark kind of be the uh, X factor or a random guy in terms of the coverage piece. Maybe it's zone, maybe it's man and he's on the back. I would, I'm not a big fan of Chuck Clark on some of these six, four tight ends. I feel like Hamilton's a better matchup. Right. And, that, and I, I, you're right. By the way, it was Hawkinson. I just want to make sure that's correct. Oh, there. Yeah, For some reason, I don't know why I got that wrong, uh, but, but, uh, but I agree with you on the, on the combat comment about Clark. I mean, he, one of the things that you really like with Hamilton is you get a good size length matchup on him. Um, he may or may not have the speed to really cover it, but his speed is not that much deficient to Clark and what he can do physically to a tight end at the line of scrimmage, I think is what's really exciting yep. in terms of, of uh, hopefully, you know, I'd love them to start disrupting some of this bunch formation work that's done against the Ravens so frequently. Yeah. You know, get somebody right up in the face of the point of that and exactly. see if you can disrupt it. Yeah. Because so many of those routes, well, think of our, the, um, the touchdown that we just had to Duvernay, the second one, the point man is releasing. And then the inside guy is, is kind of almost veering up. He's kind of stepping outside and then running his drag on. It's called mesh, the mesh concept. We, we If you disrupt the point man, sometimes you get, you try to disrupt one, but you actually disrupt two people, you know, if you're doing it with a physical enough guy. So no, absolutely. Right. I thought that, I thought Hamilton had two nice reps playing man on the tight end, both of them to the defense's left, the offense's right. I thought one of them was actually an incompletion towards him. I will have to look back at that. Honestly, didn't didn't have too much. He did have the wrong angle on one on one tackle that ended up being a, a miss. Yeah, but uh, that was over towards the right sideline from the offense's perspective. Garrett Wilson, right? The the the, the, the third down throw. I, yes, down. it was Garrett Wilson. Or he got close to the first yeah. down, then they punted, and all the Jets fans booed. I think. <laughs> Is it they gained nine yards on yeah. third and ten? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. It's his first touch, yeah. right? Sounds right. I I I can't say for sure. Can't yeah. say for sure he didn't touch the ball before then. I would love to see I would love to see Hamilton, you know, on tight ends more. I want to see him against a, an elite tight end at some point and see what we get. You know, um are we gonna get a guy who can cover them and kind of take them away? Are we gonna get a guy who loses thirty percent of those matchups? Are we gonna get a guy who mm-hmm. just can't do it? I don't think that's the case. I think he can cover a lot of them. All right, we got time for one more player here. How about we talk? Would you like to talk about Stevens or Marcus Williams? I think it'd be easy to talk about Williams. Let's do Stevens. Okay. Am I up? Complex you, game, certainly. Am I? You, you go ahead. I thought it was you. <laughs> it's okay. I thought, first of all, I think he's capped in terms of the impact he can have athletically. Mm. I mean, he's he is a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. But there are certain change of direction situations that I think um, 
we're going to get what we're going to get. Uh, having said that, he competed. I think of the one ball to Garrett Wilson on the right sideline that was in Garrett Wilson's hands, and I think Stevens was – Took it away. Yeah, he took it away. He had to recover. Um, if you were to <laughs> – we used to do this, and we didn't say play like a Raven. We said something else. But if you were to just look at a player, every player that played in a game, and you just – to the left of their – you line them all up. To the left of their name, you put a box. And at the top of that column, it says, did he play like a Raven? For this game against the Jets, you check off Brandon Stevens. He played like a Raven. He competed. I think he gave up the touchdown on like a little switch, right? The tight, the inside man, the tight end ran the out, and the outside guy went in, so they switched it off, right? And he was there as the ball came in. I mean, it was a swing and a miss on his, I think, right arm going through the strike zone and just missing the footballs. It seemed to I, I could I couldn't believe the bat got missed as yeah. as, as he was going through. He kind of reminds me, and this is going to be a poor comparison at first. He kind of reminds me of Marlon from the standpoint of I don't think the smaller, quicker guys are a great matchup for Brandon Stevens. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of the little receiver for Arizona. I say little. I mean, probably bigger than me. It, um, the receiver for Arizona, 16 or something like that, maybe it was 19, definitely gave him some troubles. They, they targeted him five or six times against that guy. And you could kind of see there the quickness was um, an issue. If we were to, I don't think Brandon Stevens is an outside corner in Wink's system, period. Do you? Uh, I, I think, I actually think outside corner is is where he probably needs to end up. Uh, no, I and, mean in and, Wink's system. In, in the case. With a lot of man. Oh, I'm a lot sorry. Of press man. Uh, I mean, I, the only place I would say he's not really appropriate for is the slot. If you want to play him at safety, he might be a good enough tackler. He might not. If you want to play him on the outside, he might be able to stick with some receivers. But there's going to be some where he's limited. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I mean the difference in the coverage. We're not going to be playing a huge percentage of of man free where we're within four yards of the wide receiver initially. We're going to be playing a lot of okay. a lot of split field coverages where he'll have the opportunity, like you mentioned earlier, to have his eyes either on a key or in the backfield and be able to react to it. Where whereas I don't think him being matched up man to man against certain quicker wide receivers is to his advantage. Like the Arizona, like the Arizona guy I was talking about. That's what I'm saying. The difference between Wink's system I, I, and uh, Mike McDonald's. I hear you, and boy, we could talk about this for probably another hour here, but I'm going to tell you that that I think that um, what we saw from Williams even in this game, the first PD you mentioned on the sideline where he really peeled the ball away, he he was actually he took an extra half step backward mm-hmm. on that play before recovering to the ball, which is something really good that I hadn't seen from him as much before. I yep. see him like close on stride for stride coverages where he's in man, you know mm-hmm. that 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 he's. He can he can stay with a receiver. He can be. He has a good long speed. He 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 he's, knows how to be physical. I think he kind of is getting good at, at learning how to use the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I think we saw that some in this game, but that game which it was a recovery play, and I thought he did a really good job of getting back in. It, it's it's not something that comes around you know for everybody right away. There's a lot of receivers that 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 ball gets thrown back shoulder and and. I sorry, a lot of corners, and they just don't have a chance. Tough play. They're, they're man. dead as soon as the ball's thrown. Yep, tough play against a very talented guy. I mean, Garrett Wilson showed earlier than that, and a little bit later, how much talent he had. Tough play. The fact that he matched up against Garrett Wilson and competed as well as he did, I thought was a great sign. You know, I really yeah. did. 
Uh, you know, if we have to survive with him at outside corner against the Bengals, you know, it's it's going to have to be certain matchups, you know, for real. Uh, but he's got size and he competes. And I really thought that there was a couple of games last year where he played quite well the closer he gets to the line of scrimmage. You know, I think he I think he plays better the closer he gets to the box, but we don't need him there because we've got Hamilton, we've got Clark, we roll Williams in there. So it's the right career move for Brandon Stevens to try to move outside and make himself, you know, a little more available to get on the field. Uh, I really like how he played against the Jets, man. I thought he played well. He's he has the job now. You know, Fuller is down, uh, and and it's his job to lose. Uh, Demarion Williams and Jalen Armour Davis are right there. The Ravens would be highly incented to get them playing time in year one, you know, to see what they have. But for right now, Brandon Stevens has a job and and he's got a chance to make the most of it. And I think he, I agree with you. I think he did what he could in that, in that Jets game. Uh, didn't like the penalties. Uh, he, I think he just had one penalty here, one, but he's yeah. obviously had some penalties in preseason too. Uh, some costly penalties for the, for the Ravens in this game to extend drives. But, uh, uh, but I, I think, you know, trait wise, we definitely saw some positive, mm-hmm. Uh, things from Brandon we probably haven't seen before in a regular season game. Yeah, and I, the one thing that we saw on film from last year when he was playing like half field safety, we didn't think that he was reacting to the routes mm-hmm. very well. You know, I think he's better suited for, you know, corner like you've described, reacting to the route. I'm talking about if we're in zone or if we're reading, you know, the release of number two, like your classic split field coverage read. Um, he – he looked. He did not look like a guy who was going to make a play on the ball playing half field safety to me. It looked like a guy that was going to mm-hmm. stay deeper than he needed to be. Excuse me, stay as deep as he needed to be, and maybe another two steps deeper. Not give up the big play, <laughs> but sometimes give up a completion in front of him. Uh, that that's the guy kind of guy he looked at at safety to me. He looked like a safety to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't even I don't even hate that in players who play for the overthrow. But you know what? I'm going to take us down a whole another rabbit hole to do this, and I don't want to. Coach, been great talking to you about the defense, and I'm really sorry to folks for the for the mailbag. We're going to have to cut it short this week, and when I short say short, you know, about two hours and ten minutes of total content. So hopefully, we got to a lot of your topics, and I really apologize we didn't go to the mailbag directly for this. Uh, Coach. Thanks so much for coming on. Tell folks again where they can find your uh, your videos. Yeah, all 22 films on YouTube, all 22 films on Twitter or all underscore uh, 22 underscore NFL underscore cuts, I think, something like that. So obviously didn't know what I was doing when I created it. This was fun, man. I mean, to sit and, and talk about it. Again, I haven't I haven't been able to rewatch the game, you know, for real. So most of this is from my notes, you know, on the other laptop. Um, but I wasn't even able to access them for the second session. Obviously, you know that. Uh, so it was fun, man, to be able to talk to someone who is prepared, number one, has a plan for how to process the information for people. Uh, number two, that's rare for someone to be able to, you know, to go out there and give other people information that um, assists in their understanding and and uh, ability to evaluate the game. So really cool. You know, forgive me if I don't give you as many shout outs on my videos. <laughs> I usually am <laughs> shouting out people that, you know, show plays and stuff. But the analysis is awesome. People in my discord share your uh, your information, you know, constantly. So, uh, you know, appreciate you having me on. And I really thank you. OK, well, it, 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 Coach DC, we're going to have you on a couple more times, at least this season for these kind of shows, offense and defense. And uh, uh, I hope we can we can get through these without technical issues, but uh, uh, just a great treat to talk football with you, my friend, and uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, man. We're blessed that the season is starting and we're able to uh, 
we're able to get into this, which is hopefully a special season. So thank you guys for, for having me on. All right. And we'll leave it there and talk to you next time on Film Study. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.